0: One thing that we talk about here at the Ridge is that God knows each one of us, God loves us, and he has a plan for your life. He has a mission for your life, and he wants you to know what's next for you, okay? And the deal is, though, it's up to us, right? We have the choice to follow what he wants, so... We're going to talk about, like, how do I know what God wants for my life just in general? Or maybe for an area of my life, like in this area, this area, you know, when it comes to a new school year, or a new job, or this opportunity, whatever. How can I know God's vision for what He wants? We're going to talk about how to hear from the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how to use God's Word for direction in our life. And we're also going to talk through how to recognize open doors and walk through them. Okay, so a lot... A lot on us over the next few weeks. It's going to be great. I want you to invite someone to come with you and experience the Ridge. Okay, that's all starting next Sunday. Now, before I move into this current series that we're in, let me also just say um, God's doing amazing work in the lives of the people here at the Ridge. And last Sunday, uh, we celebrated 13 baptisms and rededications. It was an amazing experience. Got a picture here of the baptism Caroline and Witt's house. We want to thank Witt and Caroline for allowing us to come and take over their place. But it was just amazing. I didn't even know if this was going to happen. We had rain that afternoon, knocked out some of y'all's power last Sunday like it was crazy. And then we pushed the time back. But when we started baptizing people, listen, the sun came out. We even had a rainbow in the sky. It was amazing. It was really a great experience. So just want to celebrate everything that God is doing. Thanks for the Laneys again for opening up their home. It was a great Sunday. Now, Let's get into this morning's message. Today, what I want to do is I want to wrap up this series that we're in called Level Up. And the opening bumper in the graphics, I think you've noticed this, of course, it's kind of like a video game kind of theme that's going on. And I told you last Sunday, one of my favorite games of all time when I was little was the old arcade Galaga. Okay, now let me see. I think I asked this last Sunday, about how many of y'all know Galaga, have played Galaga before? Oh, good. How many of y'all are in favor that we put a Galaga arcade in our new church? Let me see. Ooh, and it passes unanimously. Robbie is back there just waving his hand. Yes, okay, we'll make that happen. Um, but what I didn't tell you about that Gallagher game is that when I was 10 years old, I learned this trick, and I don't know how I learned it, I don't know who told me, but I know how to get the high score on any Galaga game anywhere around now. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I brought a picture of Galaga right here. All right, it's already up. So, here's the deal with this. If you don't know, these aliens, they come down and you gotta dodge the aliens and then you gotta dodge these. They're shooting bombs at you the whole time. But I know how to make it so that they don't shoot the bombs at you, but they make the little guys, you still gotta dodge the guys, but you don't have to worry about the bombs, which makes the game a hundred times easier. So, do you wanna know the secret? I'm not gonna tell you and you know why I'm not gonna tell you because I don't want you to erase my high score on the Galaga machine at the video rental store in Reedsville Georgia because I'm sure it's still there right but I could play this game for hours I could level up level up level up get to the next level next level next level in fact I was so good at this and played this for so long. Do you know at the end of those old arcade games where they had the top 10 high scores? I was all top 10, JRM, J-R-M, J-R-M, J-R-M the whole way down. I know some of y'all are trying to figure out what the R stands for. I'll tell you later. Um, all the way down. And what I would do is I would brag about it. I would brag about it and I would tell my friends I got the high score. And I wouldn't tell them my secret. And they got pretty annoyed with me. Said, you know what, my friend, my so-called friend, you know what he did one day? He got tired of it. And he did probably the worst thing he could have done to me. Shocked me. He went over to that Gallagher machine and he unplugged it. (laughs) And you know what? It erased everything. (laughs) So then I had to spend even more money and even more hours. But anyway, guess I deserved it. Um, Why am I talking about this? The reason I'm talking about this is... When it comes to the game of life, what we want to do is we want to level up. We want to get to that next level. You know, we don't want to just settle for average, but we want to get to exceptional. So the premise of this series is very simple here. We all just want more out of life. And let's be honest, there are some parts of our life that are great that we wouldn't change for anything in the world. We're so happy with. But there are other areas in our lives when it comes to relationships or money or jobs or school or whatever, where we're like... I'm tired of settling in this area. I'm tired of just going along with what the world says or what the world does because that's not giving me the satisfaction that I feel like. I feel like there's something more. Like I feel like there needs to be, is it so bad to want exceptional for my life? I don't think so. And I think God wants more for us. And so what we've been doing is we've been saying, listen, if we learn to live like Jesus, If we follow his examples, our lives would be different in those areas and in other areas as well. And we wouldn't look like the rest of the world and we wouldn't do what they do, but it would be better. And that's where we need to say, that's what we need to do in order to take things to a new level. So here's where I want to close things out today. I want to teach you a little bit of a trick here. I want to teach you how to look at your relationship with God in such a way that it'll help you. Get to that next level. Maybe just in life in general. Or maybe in that area of your life that you're really struggling with. And y'all, this is a secret that I am going to share with you. And see, here's what you need to know. Jesus, he doesn't just ask you to live like him. Okay, He he doesn't just ask you to love like him, to forgive like him, to be in relationships with others like he was in relationships with everybody. There's more to it than that. In fact, when you drill down on the teachings of Jesus, there's something bigger. And if you take hold of this, and if you really get your heads wrapped around this, man, this is what leads to that exceptional life that we're after. And when you boil this down, this teaching... What Jesus asks from us is not normal at all. It's not common. Okay, this is not what the rest of the world thinks. This is not the rest of the world's way of doing things. In fact, this teaching is so different. It's so countercultural that I would venture to say that it's even offensive when you get down to it. And here's why I say that. It's because it's one thing for someone to ask you to live like them, to follow their lead, right? It's one thing. For someone to tell you to live like me. It's one thing to have a mentor and follow their example. We do this all the time when we shadow people that we want to be like, right? It's one thing for people to say, do what I do. But it's another thing entirely. To move from this idea of I want you to live like me. To I want you to live for me. And you see, this is the difference that Jesus makes that, that really sets him apart from any other religion, any other religious leader before him or even after him, right? This difference between living like him and living for him. And this is the key to leveling up. So imagine, imagine someone looks at you and says, Listen, I want you to take all your dreams. Right? All your hopes, all your family values, everything. All your work goals, every, everything that you love. All the things that you've ever dreamed about, your future. And not only do I want you to follow my example, but I want you to live those things out for me. Like, I want you to make this all about me. Take everything that's important to you. Put that aside and live for me. Not just be like me, but to live for Who says that, right? And if we're honest, this is a little offensive, like I said. In fact, I wouldn't say it's a little offensive. I would say it's a lot of offensive. I mean, just imagine saying, somebody saying, forget living for your family, for your kids, for your dreams. I want you to live your whole life centered on me. There's a disciple, Luke. Luke wrote a book, his own book in the Bible, and Luke was a doctor. He was very um, detailed in how he wrote and how he investigated things. In fact, at the beginning of his book in Luke, he, he writes this. He starts off the, his book saying this for Theophilus. He says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning of Jesus, right, I have decided to write an account for you. Okay, So what he's doing, he's like, I'm investigating. I have thoughtfully Put all these things down for you and for others so that you can know that this is the truth about who Jesus is. So he went around and he he learned from Jesus, of course. He was a part of the disciples, but he also spoke to other people about what Jesus said. And when it came down to some of the details, I'm sure different gospels give different accounts of what Jesus said, how he said it. You know, some some remember a little bit more detail here. Some imagine him saying it a little bit differently over here. But there was one thing that Luke records that I guarantee you everybody was shocked when they heard. I guarantee you everybody, there was no qualms about how he said it, where he said it, or what he meant by it. I want, to, I want us to look at a time where Jesus teaches us the key to having an exceptional life. So he, here it is. This is the one thing everybody, everybody I know, they all agree. This is exactly what he said, and this is how he said it. Look, a large crowd was following Jesus in Luke 14. He turned around and he said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Okay, I think we've got some fill in the blanks there on the message notes, and this is your first fill in the blank, okay? For those of you that are online, you can find our message notes on the Ridge app. You gotta hate everyone else your father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, if you don't do that, well, you can't be my disciple. And if you don't carry your own cross, in other words, if you don't hate your own life, if you don't give up your own life and live for me, then you can't be with me. Then you can't be my disciple. So what's crazy about this, Jesus doesn't just say this to a few people that might have heard him. Did Jesus really say that? I don't know. No, no, no. He says this to an entire crowd of people that were around, right? He wanted to be clear. He wanted everybody to know this is what he expects. He says, you have to love me so much. you got to live for me so much that all your other relationships in life don't even compare. They don't even come close to that level of commitment. In fact, he uses that word hate, which is wild when you think about it. Hate to describe the other relationships. And let's be honest, that's a strong word to use. Like, you know, we didn't even want our little girls saying they hate, you know, or you don't want people saying, but he says, this is what your other relationships need to look like compared to how you live for me. And if you can't do that, well, then you can't be my disciple. So I racked my brain for a comparison because last week I did a phenomenal job of comparing Paul to Tom Brady, which I thought was pretty amazing. So I thought this week, and I was like, what can I do to bring this to the 21st century? Like, how? who can I compare this to, or what? And I can't think of anybody, because no one would ask you to do this. Not only does he say your other relationships have to border on, you know, just completely the opposite of how you love Christ, he says, but even your own life, he says, even your own life, he says... You got to pick up your cross, which means you got to die. Like your life has to die, which is what we celebrated in baptism. Like you are dying to yourself and you are being raised up in a new life, right? That has decided to live for Jesus, to be empowered through his Holy Spirit. So that means I no longer live for me. I no longer live for my family, for my friends, for my work. I give up my life and I live for him if I'm willing to do that, then, then I can follow him. You know what I think? I think what the world has done, I think what's common and what's culturally acceptable is to make Jesus out to be a pretty tame person, like we normalize him. This world has this, Very safe image of what it means to follow Jesus. You know, what's common is to turn them into some kind of friendly, peace, flower child type of person that's running around telling everybody all we need is love, which is important. I'm not discounting that. We need love God, love others. Of course, we know that. But that's not everything about living for Jesus. If we have a limited view of who Jesus is and what he taught, a culturally approved image of Jesus, we sometimes can feel as though everything should just be easy in life. When it's not, Jesus didn't make things easier. And he definitely didn't say living for him would make life easy. It makes life better. This is how we're supposed to live. This is his vision and mission for our life to be with him. And he is changing us. But the process is difficult because we live in a broken world. It's definitely not safe. It's definitely not what the world wants. But that's who Jesus is. He was a revolutionary, right? I mean, imagine Jesus saying this today. Imagine for a minute. Imagine today, Jesus were to come today like he did back then. And you heard about Jesus on YouTube. You saw the miracles that he was doing. You you heard that he brought somebody back from the dead. They created a social media event. He's going to be down at the... Phoenix City Amphitheater, downtown, you're like, I'm going to go. I've got to experience this. And the whole thing is going great. The band is amazing. He's got the best band. He's got the Ridge Band leading for him before the message. And they're giving out free Chick-fil-A because, let's be honest, if Jesus is holding an event, there's going to be Christian chicken, right? I mean, that's what would happen, right? And he's healing people, and it's just amazing. And then he looks at the crowd, and he says, if you love your parents, If you love your kids more than me, then you can't follow me. Like, how would you take that? Like, what does that mean for you? Man, I love my family. I love my girls. I love my wife. Um, Shannon brought a picture of me and Shan. Um, Look at this. We're going to be celebrating 25 years of marriage, y'all. 25 years. Y'all don't tell Shannon she is married to an old man. Look at me. I'm getting so old. 25 years of marriage. Uh, We'll be celebrating that in a couple of weeks. I love my girls Savannah and Abby. I brought a picture of Savannah's wedding of some of the bridal party. There's Say and Sal together. And I told y'all how the wedding went and I actually made it. I got choked up a little bit, but I made it through it. And then after it was over, when we were taking pictures, that's when I lost it. And I cried. And Mimi just said, Everybody stand back. Let him be. Just let him be, right? <laughs> let him have his moment, you know. But man, I love my girls. You know, I mean, I can't imagine that love that I have for my kids, love that I have for my wife. And then someone saying, That can't even come close to the comparison that you have when it comes to following me. Like if you can't do that, then you can't get from here to there. Blaine, you can go ahead and put the next slide up. Jesus is like, listen, this is what it means to live for me. And he wants to change our way of thinking when it comes to how we live in this world. That living for him comes before follow him. We, we, we follow him, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to live our lives for him because we love him that much. And you know what? This is why scripture says a lot of people left after Jesus said this. These words, there were some in the crowd that were thinking, I like the things you say, Jesus. I like this about loving God, loving others. Like, I like what you say about forgiving people. That's all fine and good. But this idea of living for you, giving my life, giving my future, giving my family, everything I have for you, it's too much. And they left. But you know what the truth is? truth is, listen. You want an exceptional life. I want an exceptional life. You want to change in this area or that area. You're going to have to choose between what this world says and what Jesus says. You're going to have to choose who you love more. And Jesus will make us choose. He will grab those areas of our lives that we think are the most important things, and he will look at those areas and he will say, I know you love this, I know you love that, I know you love them, But this is not going to give you the satisfaction you're looking for. Only he does that. And not only does he bring that satisfaction that we're looking for in this life, but he does so for eternity. And that's what he wants from us. That's where, when we have that changed mindset, that we're able to live for him in this area, that's when he's able to take that area and work. And make it exceptional. The truth is, living like Jesus, it does make your life better, yes, of course. But more than that, we got to be willing to live for him. That's what he wants, and that is what takes things up a notch. Like, that's next level stuff right there. That's the exceptional life that we're after. So for the rest of the time that I have this morning, just real quick, I want to revisit a story that we talked about a few months ago, about six months ago. Something I learned from Andy Stanley. And if you went through that study with me um, last year in your group, then you learned this as well. But I want to revisit this real quick. It's all about a time that Peter was called to live for Jesus to put him first, and it changed his life. So the story goes, I'm not gonna read it to you because we've already been through it a little while back. The story goes that Jesus was preaching one day at the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd was so large that it's backing him into the water. They're pressing up against them. You know, his feet are on the sand, his feet are probably hit in the water. And so he looks around him and he sees a local fisherman named Simon, which we know he's gonna change his name to Peter. So this is Peter, but he looks at Simon at the time and he says, Simon, can I use your boat to preach to the crowd? And so So Simon, of course, says yes, puts Jesus in his boat. They row out a little bit. Jesus preaches. And there's something about this story that makes me think that Jesus wasn't just there for the crowd. But he was there for Peter. Because Jesus could have gotten into any boat, but he chose Peter. It's amazing how Jesus will use those divine moments to really teach us more about who he is and what he wants from us. So you know the story. When Jesus was finished teaching, he looks at Peter and he, with a smile on his face, I imagine this smirk across his face. He says, "Let's go fishing." Now, what was Peter thinking in this moment while Jesus is speaking in the boat? I mean, you got to imagine the crowd is huge. Like, there's so many people there. Of course, this is why Jesus needs to, get, needs to get in the boat. There's so many people, but yet Peter has a front row seat, listening to everything Jesus was saying. And I believed it changed him. It changed him in that moment because he was willing to do something no one else was doing. He was willing to be different. He was willing to do something the rest of the world would say is crazy because Jesus looks at him and he says, let's go fishing. And what he means by that is let's do something, do something for me okay not for everybody else because everybody else what they were doing is they were putting up their fishing supplies because it was the hottest part of the day okay so so peter has been fishing all night that's when you fish is at night when the fish kind of come to the surface but during the day the hottest part of the time the fish dive in the water they go down to cooler deeper water and you got to imagine peter looking at jesus going listen i'm the fisherman Like, you stick to teaching, I'll stick to fishing. Like, that's what we do, right? But there was something about Jesus. So Peter decided to do this for Jesus. Even though he's going to look ridiculous. Even though this is what nobody else is doing. But there was something about him. So in verse 5, here's Peter's reply. He says this. He says, Master, Jesus, we have toiled all night That's when you're supposed to fish. I've been fishing all night. Now we're done, and we've caught nothing. It's time to pack up, head home. I'm tired. Nobody else is doing this. But nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Peter probably had a lot of questions, reasons why he shouldn't do it. But then he says that word, nevertheless. That's your fill-in-the-blank. I want you to think about this word this week, today. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm going to do what you want. Because again, what Jesus is asking Peter to do isn't normal, but Peter does it anyway. And you know the rest of the store. You know what happens next. They go out and they catch such a large amount of fish that the boat begins to sink. The nets are breaking. They have to call others to come in and to save them, right? Come in and help us. And they drag all these fish in. And when it's all done, Peter does something remarkable. He falls on his knees and he calls Jesus Lord. And at that moment, he left everything. He left everything. And decided to live for Jesus. Because he knew, even though he didn't understand everything, he knew that this Jesus had something exceptional in store for him, and he wanted to be a part of it. And not only that, but the same thing happened to James and John. James and John were there also. They saw everything that happened. They saw how this was not normal. This is not what the rest of the world was doing. This is what Jesus asked. Peter gave up and went after Jesus, gave it all up, and followed him. And this is what happened for Peter. So... In verse 11, it says this about James and John. When they they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all. I love that word. I think we should use this word more often. We don't use this enough. Forsook. This is the fancy New King James Version way of saying they left everything. They left everything for Jesus. They forsook all. They decided, this isn't somebody, this Jesus, like, I don't want to just follow him and live like him. Like, I want to give up everything and live for him. And they understood that this journey wouldn't be normal, right? This is not what the rest of the world is doing. But this Jesus, he's going to push me to be different. But they were all witnesses to the fact that living for Jesus was exceptional. You see, as long as Peter, James, and John did what everybody else was doing, they were never going to experience the exceptional life that Jesus wanted for them. And I think Jesus wants to take us on that same journey that journey of sitting there, listening, and then deciding, I want to live for what he wants. That after listening to him for long enough, that that we would build enough faith in our lives, or in this area, or in that area, or whatever we're struggling with, we'd build enough faith to say, I am done with being a spectator, and I am ready to be a follower. But not just following. Although that's important. What I want to do is I want to learn what it means to live for him. Like every thought, every desire... Everything I have in my heart, when it comes to my family, when it comes to my finances, when it comes to school, when it comes to my job, I want to live for Jesus in those areas because when I get that, it changes that area of my life. And that's what I want. This was true for Peter, living for Jesus not worrying about what his friends thought, what his family thought, what the people at the fish market would thought. It was going to be difficult. It was countercultural then, and it's still today. So I guess as we close this out, I just, what does it mean for you to live for Jesus? To not just be like Him, although that's important, of course, but to live for Him in your life or in that area. Maybe you're like Peter and you're sitting in the boat long enough and you're saying to yourself, I've sat here long enough, now I want to move and I want to trust, I want to put my trust in him. And the thing about that is, when we decide to live for Jesus, when we put our trust in him, we know that on the other side of that request of what Jesus is asking for us and asking us to live our lives for him, we know that on the other side of that request is something amazing. That's what happened for Peter, and it happens for us, too. And the beauty of all this is, too, y'all, not only that, but this is something that Jesus himself illustrated in his own life. This idea of living for God, and not for his wants, not for anything else, but living for the sake of the glory of God. We see over and over and over in Scripture, where Jesus, especially in the book of John, he keeps saying, I live for the Father. In fact, in John... Here's the next verse that we have. Jesus actually says this. He says, the Son can do nothing by himself. I don't do anything by myself. Even Jesus, as the Son, says this. He does, speaking of himself, the Son does only what he sees the Father doing and in the same way. It's Jesus' way of saying, I live for God. That's why he had such an exceptional life. He was given us the example by which to live. In fact, you know this story at the very end of his life. He gave us the nevertheless kind of example. You know this. In the garden, we see this human side of Jesus where he's so nervous about the upcoming crucifixion that he actually asks the Heavenly Father if there's another way. You remember this? And he's on his knees in prayer. He's sweating drops of blood because he knew what was ahead of him was going to be different. It was going to be difficult. It was something this world had never experienced before. And he asks in that moment, if you don't recognize the story, you will now when I say when Jesus asks the Heavenly Father if he would take this cup away from me. But look what Jesus says. He says these words, Father, if it is your will, because that's what I'm after Jesus, living out by example, he said, I'm living for you, God. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, even if you choose not to, even if it means something uncommon, even if it means this difficult via Dolorosa Rosa that's ahead of me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done because that's why I'm here. I'm living for you. Jesus not only taught us the secret to level up, but he lived it by example. Nevertheless, I don't understand it. This isn't, or Jesus did understand it, but for us, we have that nevertheless kind of example of, even though this isn't what the world says, even though I don't understand, even though I'm not sure, nevertheless, I'm living for you because I know that's where the blessing is. And if you do that, and if you learn to live by that example, on the other side of that request from God to live for him, what you'll find is breaking nets and sinking boats full of God's provision. Let's pray together. God, God, getting through this series, I just pray that there are those out there that are beginning to realize that there is something more for us. God, that you do want more for us, that you have better things in store for us. But in order for that to happen, God, what, are we, gonna, what we have to do is we gotta learn to let go of what's common, right? We, we, gotta, we gotta learn to let go of what the world is doing. And that's hard to do because that's, it's just easier just to go along with the flow. God, we, we, we need your strength in order to live for you in this world. God, we wanna be like you Change us to be more like you, but also, God, we just we want to live for you. Jesus, I just pray for those that are in this room that have been sitting in the boat, and they've been listening to you, but they've never moved. They've never done anything. God, I just pray that you would grab a hold of us, and that we would be ready to get up and to listen to what you're saying and to listen to what you're asking us. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though our family may not agree, even though our friends might roll their eyes when we say, God, I pray that we would brave enough to have one of those nevertheless kind of moments where we're willing to trust you and live for you and what you want. Because when we're willing to do that, God, we'll see that life is always better. Jesus, we just pray that you would be with us this week. God, I pray your blessings on this congregation and on this church. As we walk out of here, may we be a light shining in a dark world. May we live for you and be that faithful follower of Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. And amen.